0: I have a class that I teach on leadership and so um, because of the uh, conference and all that went on I was not able to uh, do this one so uh, I figured that I'll just give you the notes that I was going to have for the class and go ahead and teach it anyway and that way we've still got a lecture for the leadership class I don't think it's going to hurt you any but I want to um, Have you started off with, take your Bible and turn to the book of Joshua. Joshua in the Old Testament. Now, you got Deuteronomy, and it's the very next book. But Joshua, it's on page 259 in a church Bible. And I want to read there from verse 7 through 9. Because today we're discussing this subject, the key to successfulness is faithfulness. In other words, if you're faithful to the Lord, that has been successful. It's not looked at through the eyes of man that way, because they figure you're successful if you got a lot of money and you got a lot of this and a lot of that, and you can go wherever you want, and you know all those things that you consider to be successful. Well, this is what God says about success. Look there in verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Verse 9 Have not I commanded thee, be strong, of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. It's a good promise. It was made to Joshua, but it's one that you can also apply to yourself. God's word tells us to meditate in the word of God, we should do that. We want to have a prosperous journey. That is nothing wrong with that. Another verse that I have down here is in 1 Corinthians in chapter 4 and verse 2, where the Bible says, Moreover, it is required in a steward that a man be found faithful. And if you're faithful, that's the key to being successful with what God has called us to do. So I want to briefly mention each one of these points, and then I want to talk to you about them. Now, Attitude determines your altitude. But that's something that a leader is supposed to know and understand. Because when the Bible talks about us being an example of the believer, that means that uh, somebody should be following your example. So you want to be an example, not just in soul winning, which is the most important thing, but if you're not right in these other areas, you won't be doing soul winning very long because you'll burn out. You won't have the strength to keep going. So a leader knows or attitude determines your altitude. Number 2, a leader knows that you got to have a goal. Got to where am I going? What do I want? Number 3, a leader has to know how do I plan to succeed? How do I plan for profit? Number 4, a leader knows that he has to depend upon a big God. He has to know that he has a big God that's bigger than any problem that he may ever have. Number 5, you got to know. And a leader needs to know that fear can totally destroy your life. And number six, a leader knows that you have to sow before you can reap. And so that's a very simple thing that you know. Now turn in your page to number seven. See how fast we're going through this? Man, this is awesome, ain't it? We're flying. Number seven, a leader knows that you've got to have some enthusiasm about whatever you want to do. Because you can't light another candle with an unlit candle. So you have to have some fire in you to set little fires and fire somebody else up to encourage people. Number eight, a leader knows that your environment is very important, where you go and where you don't go. And if you don't keep that straight, now we'll look at it in just a minute in the book of James in chapter 4 and verse 4. Don't look there yet. Number nine, a leader knows that you have to share and bear other people's burdens because that's what you're going to need. Number 10, don't procrastinate. Leaders know that if you want to get anything done, you can't always put things off. You have to do it as soon as possible. Otherwise, things build up on you and you don't get anything accomplished. So a leader knows you can't procrastinate. Number 11, adversities are God's stepping stones to success. So a person who wants to be a good leader has to know that he cannot always Blame everything, just realize that all the problems that you may ever have can either be a stumbling block or a stepping stone, depending upon your attitude toward it. And number 12, that a leader knows that runaway emotions, runaway emotions, things that you do not control, your own emotions, is going to be like a car jumping out of gear. Now, most people today don't have cars that jump out of gear but I learned this and I preached this back in 1975 when many people still were driving sticks. You see, you're driving a stick? Well, that was a, you know, in-gear and out of gear manually. Today everything's automatic. But it used to be it would kick out of gear sometimes. And sometimes you would have a, a problem. So sometimes you have to have if you had an older mate like I had, you had to put it in gear and hold it there while you drive. So we're going to look at this. Now, I like to tell you what I'm going to tell you, and then I tell you, and then I tell you what I done told you. Now, number one, I want you to take your Bible look in chapter 4, Philippians in chapter 4. The book of Philippians and chapter 4. When we look at this verse, the statement is made here, attitude determines your altitude. Because if you've got a bad attitude, you're not going to go very far. You're not going to accomplish very much because you've got a bad attitude. Most people do not like to stay around a person who's got a bad attitude. So if you whine and pine all the time, then people don't want that. They don't want to listen to it. So if you're more positive, then a lot of people want to be positive. They want to have hope. They want to have something they can look forward to. But look here in the book of Philippians in chapter 4. And look in verse 8. Finally, brethren... Whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good, report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, underline those four words. Think on these things. Because, you see, you've got to learn how to think. Because your actions are a byproduct of the way that you think. So actions are born within the mind. So it is important that a child of God learn how to think. And he says, and the God of peace will be with you. And then he says here in verse 9, those things which you have both heard and learned and seen in me, and here's the biggest word in the whole verse, do. And the God of peace will be with you. So that's important. Now look at number 2. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. Just look there in chapter 3, verse 13. Because now you're talking about have we will travel. Now, you know, most of y'all have heard years and years ago, there was this cowboy in there named Paladin. Anybody remember Paladin? Yeah. Have gun will travel. Remember that? Have gun will travel. Well, now, you've got to have a goal will travel. When you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. In other words, you have no di- directions. You're not going to accomplish anything. You don't know when you have arrived. You don't know what success means to you because you haven't defined what is your purpose. Every person has to have a purpose in life. So, what is your purpose? Why are you alive? Now, I always say, if you have a pulse, you got a purpose. You got a pulse. I got one. I got one. But then, what? What are you lie for? What are you living for? What is consuming your time? Consuming your life? What really means the most important thing to you? Well, this is something that you have to have. So, in verse thirteen, he says, "Brethren, my," he said, "I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do." Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. You cannot go back and change your life. It's already done. Only thing you can do is work with what you have now until the rest of your life and accomplish as much as you possibly can. But you have to forget some things and to remember other things, the things that God wants you to do. Look in verse 14. I press or I run toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus if God walked into this room right now and he says, I want you to follow me, you say, well, I'll have to check with my wife. I'll have to check with my husband. I'll have to check with my parents. If God Almighty walked in here and told you what he wanted you to do with your life, you say, well, I already have my own career. Well, I've got my own plans. God says, I want you to be a missionary and I want you to go here or there or there or there. Well, I can't do that. Lord, you just don't understand. Yeah. Don't you wish God was smart as you? He could see and understand all this. So, now now, the next thing I want you to look there 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians and chapter 9. Turn in your Bible, 1 Corinthians and chapter 9. Because here in these verses it talks to us about, well, running a race. In verse 19, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all. I made myself servant. You see, some people that say, Lord, uh, just go ahead and do with me anything that you want to do. And then they don't do anything. I guess God didn't want me. Lord, make me a soul winner. God says, You make yourself a soul winner. So that if I don't become a soul winner, it's not my fault. It's God's fault because I asked Him to do it. Lord, if you want me to go someplace, go ahead and send me there, and I'll wait until you do. And they never move. You can be a car on the right road, on the right direction, on the right lane. And no gas in the car. And you're going to sit right there. You know what will happen if you watch the world go by? It will. It will. And opportunities are on wheels. And if you don't learn how to take advantage of opportunities, they'll just pass you right on by. And then one day you're going to stand before the Lord. Lord, you never gave me any opportunities. I could have done something if you have done. Yeah, if God, if God, if God. But it's always God's fault. It ain't God's fault. You see, you can be as grateful to the Lord as you choose to be. You can be as dedicated to the Lord as you choose to be. Now, this little statement, plan for profit, that means every day you should plan something to be successful. Something you're going to be faithful today because you know that down the road, that faithfulness today is going to pay off tomorrow. Because you understand the simple little thing called uh, your future is being determined by your obedience to God today. Today. You're not faithful today, it's costing you. You just don't know how much it's costing you. Don't waste any day. I don't like wasting time. I live so much by schedule, if I want to do something wrong, I'd have to schedule it. But the next thing, number four, number four. Now, that ninth chapter, you need to read the whole thing because it's talking about running a race and setting aside certain things and striving for the mastery so that you can get an incorruptible crown But you gotta have something and you gotta run. You can't say, Lord, just give me the rewards. Well, I'd have done something, but I just turned it all over to the Lord and told the Lord to do it. I know they needed somebody to drive the bus, so I asked God to drive it. I know they needed a Sunday school teacher, but I asked God to teach it. God works through people, and that's why it's so important. But there's very few leaders today because they don't lead in all these areas we're talking about. So you gotta plan for profit. That means a short pencil is better than a long memory. And you write things down. What is your purpose in life? What do you want? Now, look in Hebrews in chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35. I tell the people, think big, act big, do big. Why? Because we got a big God. Go out on a limb. That's where the fruit is. You say, somebody might cut it off. I would rather attempt and fail than not to attempt at all. It's better to aim at something and miss than to aim at nothing and hit it. These things are good things to remember. Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 35, Cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense of reward. In other words, because of your confidence in what the Word of God says, you'll do some work. And the work is going to produce results, and the result is what God's going to reward you for. So you want to be rewarded, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. And if you don't do anything for God, you're hurting yourself. Not hurting nobody else, but you're hurting yourself. Now get this. In uh, number five, fear, not control, will destroy success. In 2 Timothy in chapter 1 and verse 7, for God hath not given unto us the spirit of what? Fear, fear but of love, power, and a Sound mind. If you don't do some things for God because, well, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. You don't have a sound mind. You say, I'm losing my mind? Could be. Because God says, he didn't give it to you. And you were not born worrying. You learned how to do that. Worry, fret, all those things. You had to learn how to do all of that. And then after you've learned it, isn't it wonderful? It just keeps you up at night. Worrying. So you don't have to cast your cares upon the Lord because you can handle all yourself. And when it breaks you down, look what God did to me. And so God takes the blame. So number five, a leader must know how to handle fear. Because if you don't, fear will stop you. You're not going to serve the Lord because you're fearful, afraid. Afraid you're going to be a failure. Boy, I had to battle this year. Like I said, the first time I taught all of this year, was in 1975. I went down to Florida Bible College and they asked me to speak, and so I I talked on this. Of course, they gave me a lot of time. Today, I've only got two hours, so I'm going to have to hurry. (laughs) Number six, sowing before reaping. Do the farmers reap the harvest before they plant the harvest? That'd be backwards, wouldn't it? That'd be great. But you see, when it comes to children of God, we know we have to plant before something grows. And it has to grow before we can have a, a harvest. So if you want good results down the road, you better start planting the right thing now. Just because you messed up down the, in the past and you don't have good results or fruit from it doesn't mean you should not plant today because tomorrow on down the road, you're going to wish you had. Reap the good results down the road from the good seed you've thrown today. And watch things grow in your Christian life. Many of God's children are barren, it means they're not fruitful. And that's so very important. So in Galatians in chapter 6, he talks about, you know, no, don't mock God. How do you mock God? By mocking sin. It doesn't matter. I'm going to get away with it. It's not that bad. There's no consequences to it. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So the law of the harvest is, is you sow now, you reap later. And whenever you reap, if you sow the wrong thing, you're going to reap the wrong things. So the law of a harvest is you're going to reap later than you sowed. And you're going to reap the same thing you sowed and a lot more of it. So that's important to keep in mind. Alright, number 7. Look at number 7. Colossians chapter 3. Let's look at that verse. Colossians and chapter 3. You'll notice this is a wonderful verse about the two natures that we're not going to discuss right now, but it does talk about that. But it talks to the wives on what they're supposed to do. It talks to the husbands and what they're supposed to do, the children and what they're supposed to do, and the servants and what they're supposed to do. So you finally get down here into verse 23 and it says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily and to the Lord and not unto men. And here's the reason why. Verse 24, knowing that the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Whatever you do for the, the husband and the, the wife and the children, the servants, everybody, you're serving God. So serve the Lord with all your heart as unto God. You're serving God. Come to the church this morning, if you did it to honor God, then God's going to reward you for it. If you do whatever you do for the Lord then God's going to bless it. Don't worry about it. How God's going to do it, He'll take care of that. You just do the serving part. You see, this is not written on how to get to heaven. None of these notes here has anything to buy. How to go to heaven? Because going to heaven is free. You don't have to do anything. It's a gift. Only thing you have to trust Christ is your Savior. And when you trust Christ, He gives you eternal life, you're His child, and you'll go to heaven whenever you die. So, number eight. I want you to see this. In number eight, The book of James. The book of James in chapter 4. I mentioned to you a little bit earlier, but I want you to see this verse. And the reason this verse is so important, because um, it's talking about your environment. The environment that you have. And you need to be careful what kind of people you hang around. You hang around negative people, and it's going to influence the way you think. And that'll influence the way you live. It'll influence whether or not you're positive or you're negative. Whether you'll be found faithful or unfaithful. So in chapter 4, look there, he's talking to Christians. He's not talking to lost people. Book of James is to believers. He says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world, you ought to underline those words, friendship of the world, that's having the wrong environment, the wrong friends. You see, I had to make a decision in my life. I had to learn how to choose better people to hang around. And I really didn't have to drop any of my old friends. Well, number one is I didn't have many. Number two, they left me because every one of them I tried to get to trust the Lord. And they'd see me come and they'd run the other way. So I didn't have to, you know, break off from my friends. They broke off from me. And it's not because I was so holy. It was because I was a little rude and crude. I didn't always do everything the way I should have done it. I just didn't know how to be nice Sometimes. I would say this truth, but the way I said the truth, well, it rubbed some people the wrong way. And I always feel like, you know what a cat. You know, if if I rub you the wrong way, turn around. But it didn't work. (laughs) Look at number nine. Number nine is talking about in the book of Galatians. Bear ye one another's burdens. And he's talking about ye which are spiritual. Try to help those that are carnal. In other words, in chapter 5 of the same book, it talks about walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So some of God's children will walk in the Spirit. Some of God's children are going to walk in the flesh. So he says, you that are walking in the Spirit, try to help those that are walking in the flesh. Restore them to where they want to walk in the Spirit. And you got to watch how you treat them, lest you become guilty of the very same thing you're talking about them getting guilty. Because you become lifted up with pride. And I'm not going to lower myself to that. That's what serve the Lord is. And then he talks about bear ye one another's burdens. So you've got to bear yours, and then you've got to bear somebody. We often tell people on third Sunday dinner, cook enough for your family and what? And a little bit more. And a little bit more. So what's the other little bit more for then? Well, that's for somebody else. You've got to do what you have to do. You've got responsibility, but then you've got to try to help somebody else that maybe can't do that. So it's important. Look at the next statement. Number 10 in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16 you don't have to turn to it now, but it just simply means talk about redeem the times for the days are redeem the time for the days are evil. You don't have much time to, to live. L- life is short. And you know just the other day. Just, just, just the other day. I was only 50 years old. Just the other day. And when I came down here, I was only 51. And look how old I got in just nine years. Now, math was not my forte. I went to a public school. But number 10 is don't procrastinate. Don't procrastinate. That means don't always put off things. You got things to get done, try to get it done as soon as you possibly can. And means do it now. That's redeeming the time because, you see, we may not have tomorrow. Do what you can do and what you're supposed to do this day. Number 11, adversities are God's stepping stones to success. So in the book of uh, Romans in chapter 5 and in verse 3, see it talks about tribulation work with, um, what's that word? That everybody needs but you? Patience, patience that's it. Everybody needs patience but me. But everybody needs patience. And so tribulation, work. what does it mean? It means it forces you to have to wait. Because God doesn't always do what you want when you want it done. And so you've got to sit and pout for a while and learn a few little lessons in humility. And you can't be everything you want to be. And you can't do everything you want to do. And you can't go everywhere you want to go. And you can't have everything you want to have. It kind of, well, it... Kind of helps a person grow up a little bit. And I've had parents say, well, I don't want my child to go through what I did. I do. I want them to learn just like I learned. What? Doing without. I told my kids, you can have anything you can afford. <laughs> now, what's wrong with that? I've had people say, you know, my dad left me this. Uh, Trump said, he only left me $100 million. Man you know, I might be able to start a business if I had $100 million. My daddy, you know, he was a bootlegger. And he, he willed it to me. I'm lying. Do you hear about this year of Joshua? He got picked up for doing what my daddy did. He had to go before the judge. judge says, are you the Joshua that made the sun stand still? He said, no, I, I, I was the Joshua that made the moonshine. What you're going to have, adversities, and you know it. Now, in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, look at that verse very quickly. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. Verse 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Love and fear are emotional things that we go through. I love you. Now, we know that um, the heart does nothing but pump blood. But we always say, I love you with all my heart. You really mean I love you with all my mind, but think how that sounds. I love you with all my mind. Just don't, don't have a ring to it. So you can go ahead, I love you with all my heart. I used to tell the teenagers, I says, look, whenever two teenagers look at each other, you know, they just kind of goo-goo, eyes, ah, you know. I said, no, it's just puppy love, but it's real to the puppy. But you have to be careful because it can lead to a dog's life. <laughs> but whenever you, know, you, you look at each other and that guy looks at you and he goes, you run and don't look back for 30 years. Just keep them moving. Now, number 12, runaway emotions is life jumping out of gear. It means it, uh, that the gear stick is not staying in gear, it's jumping out of gear. And runaway emotions. That means you have to watch how you receive things. I guess you have to watch a little bit how you tell things. So people, whether they're happy or sad, depends on how they're thinking. And that thinking can be good and it can be bad. And so you have to be very careful. And the last line down there is, when you throw mud, you lose ground. I thought you'd like that little statement. Now, let's go back to number one. Now, the reason I did that, because if we don't finish, I've already finished now we're going to take a look at the subpoints. Number 1, a leader knows that attitude determines your altitude. All actions are born within the mind. Your potential is established by your positive biblical attitude. Do you have that? Renew the caliber of your thoughts to renew the caliber of your life. If you don't like the way things are in your life and you want to learn how to live Better and differently and exalted a little bit more than change the caliber of your thoughts and you'll change the caliber of your life. And the thing that can cause you to, when God says be not conformed to this world, that be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There is something better. Now, some people... You probably could live eating out of a garbage can, but you ought to take and go to Smoky Bones and eat a juicy steak or Longhorn. But if you had one of those, and if you had a choice, I wouldn't eat out of the garbage can. But see, that's what a lot of God's children are doing. They're living in a garbage can because they just don't know how good it can be because they never gave God a chance. To really serve the Lord and go out on that limb and not be so afraid, knowing that if I do what God wants me to God not only is going to bless, God must bless my life. He has to bless me because He promised. Now we can either believe God or not.